Somewhere, Brady Manick is smiling because his Tar Heels just knocked off the undefeated Oklahoma Sooners 81-69. Let's get into it. You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, it's Thursday, December 21st, 2023. Welcome into the Locked On Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shaden. Joining me as he does every week is our guy, Coach Bill Robinson, the head coach of the Milligan University Buffaloes. My man is staying up late. It's after midnight on the East Coast. We're coming to you live, uh, in, in our time anyway, right after Carolina has knocked off the undefeated Sooners. Great stuff here. We want to thank you, everydayers, for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listener watch to get your team every day. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Folks, the uh, Discord for Locked on Tar Heels is always popping. It was on fire again during this Oklahoma game. Make sure if you're not part of that, you come check it out. The link for that is in the show notes. All right, coming up on the show, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have an overview of the biggest takeaways from the game, get into our four corners recap, the shady stat of the game, and then we'll kind of look at what all of this means going forward, as well as Coach is going to share a couple thoughts with us about Eric Montross, um, someone that he knew personally and, and want to make sure to have that opportunity for him to share some of those. So, Coach, uh, let's just get right into this. Biggest takeaway from the game. Uh, you and I were talking about this beforehand. I've talked about it quite a bit this week and leading up, but Carolina has now finished off this ridiculous five ranked teams in six games stretch, went three and two against those five ranked teams and also won the non-ranked game against Florida State in there. And so coach, if you're looking at this and this is your basketball team, I know you're never pleased, nothing's ever perfect, but are you content if you're Hubert Davis with where Carolina's at after this stretch? I think content's probably a good word right now for them. Uh, they're, they're glad the stretch is over, but at the same time, I think they're, they're even happier about the lessons that they were able to learn through this. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ability to finish a game, the ability to not finish a game, the <laughs> ability to, to play against the very best teams in the country. And I think we have no doubt now that uh, I think Carolina is as talented as anybody in the in the country. I think we can compete with anybody. We can play at the highest, highest level. I think we also found out that R.J. Davis is one of the best guards in the country as well. So I think overall they're content with where they are, but uh, I think it is a good time for a little bit of a break and get home and uh, get some some good food and maybe a couple of days of rest for uh, the coaches and the players and then and then come back really hard after, after the break's over. That's a great point. I mean, they had that nice big break between – uh, what would it have been? Florida State and Kentucky? Was that what that break would have been? No. Uh, and Kentucky. That was the break. Um, and then now they get a night, not quite as long break, but they don't play again for like nine days until next Friday when they host Charleston Southern. And so, Coach, right now, Carolina wins this game, avoids a three-game losing streak. They're up to eight and three 
overall, and they're up to 13th at Ken Palm as we record this following the win. They were, I think, 20th coming into the game. So a nice big jump. Um, and, and coach, you just mentioned RJ Davis. Let's talk about this dude and everything he's doing. It's his seventh straight game scoring 20 or more points. Um, coach, what just what is it at, as you watch him that's allowing him to operate at this never before seen from him level? I think this confidence is just bursting right now and every shot feels good. I think as long as he uh, has the ball in his hands, he feels like something good is going to happen every time. Uh, it's it's hard to even see him miss a three point shot right now. You're almost shocked when it doesn't go in uh, because he's just making everything. And it seemed like any time that, that Oklahoma made a run and it got it close, he's the one who made the big shot to uh, to really just uh, to douse any kind of comeback that they had. But He's just playing with ultimate confidence right now. And uh, you can almost just see it on his face. He's just super confident. And, and coach, what I love is it's not just about the 23 points that he scored in this game. It's that he had four rebounds. It's that he had five assists and zero turnovers. It's that he had three steals. Like, uh, you know, a lot of times you get these scores who aren't necessarily filling out the stat sheet, but RJ is doing it in all sorts of ways, not to mention five of nine from three. And once again, perfect from the free throw line, starting off <laughs> another perfect streak from the stripe. What, what does it do for you as a coach to know that the guy that's your far and away leading scorer is also doing other things to help the team win? Yeah, we've talked about it all season about how great a rebounder he is. And he just always seeking the basketball. He'll defend, but at the same time, he's going to go in the modern game with all the long rebounds. You need guards who can go chase it down, and he's been great at that. Uh, bigger to me was the five assists because because you know they're trying to get the ball out of Baycott's hand early. They doubled him, but then when RJ hit a couple shots, now all of a sudden they're doubling him or they're putting more pressure on him. He's got to be able to make that decision. He's got to yeah. be able to to not take that bad shot and make the extra pass, and then. Five assists means somebody else is making some plays too. So uh, more plays those other guys make, he's he's confident and giving it up when and uh, knowing that they're going to make a play too. Speaking of chasing it down, you just used that phrase there. How about that play? He misses a layup and winds up in like the second or third row. Next thing we know, he's coming back down the other side of the court and pokes the ball away to get force another steal, get a turnover for his team. Uh, I I will have that player on my team every day of the week. Coach, there, you and I were talking about that play. There was something else interesting that you noticed about it. He ended up right next to Coach Williams. And I wish we could have heard some kind of dialogue because I could almost hear Coach's words just say, get back, get back. And RJ saying, oh, that's Coach Williams. Yeah, I got to get. And all of a sudden, he's made that beeline to the other end and, and the, the steal. That was a huge play. And um, I, I wish we had some other guys make those type of plays because those are winning plays. Uh, just the extra hustle play to, to get that possession back. He knew he'd missed a shot. He knew he had to get the ball back and he did it. Love to see that. Speaking of Coach Williams, let's talk a little bit about Coach Davis um, and what a job he is doing. Um, one of the things that was potentially critical in this game was that Harrison Ingram picked up a fourth foul with a good chunk of time still left in the game. And yet, Coach Rob, Coach Davis decided to put him in with still like seven, six minutes left. I can't remember the exact time, uh, which is earlier than we, you know, usually with, with a fourth foul, you're waiting until after the under four media timeout. Is that a decision you would have made? And why, like, why do you think Coach Davis made it? Right call, wrong call. What are your thoughts? I think that's a gut call that you have to make. And when he put him in, I thought, oh, man, it's too early. 
I thought, oh, you know, this is this is maybe a little bit early for him to go in with that fourth foul. But he played the next seven minutes without a foul, first of all. But he played the best basketball of the game that he played. I mean, I think he had two or four points, you know, when he got in his foul trouble, came in, still ended up with double digits, still ended up with five or six rebounds. And he had uh, that late shot clock bank shot, you know, and hit a three. He made a couple really big plays late. And I thought that was a great move by Coach Davis. I think it was the right time. And, and that's when coaches know their team and they know their players. And he probably looked at him and says, hey, man, I trust you here. Just, you know, don't don't get another one. Be smart. And uh, Harrison's one of the smartest players we have on the team right now. So uh, great coaching, great execution by uh, by Harrison those last seven minutes. Well, yeah, uh, you talked about that late shot clock play. If I can't remember, but that was one of the moments where um, Oklahoma had closed it down pretty close. And I, I don't even remember what the margin was at that point, but that was a critical yeah. play. And I think at that point there's like a minute 14 left in the game. And so, I mean, that essentially sealed it. It felt like in a lot of ways. And the same thing for Harrison is with RJ. I mean, you, you mentioned he finishes with double digits, 11 points, four of six shooting, one of two from three, perfect from the free throw line, seven rebounds, two assists, a block and four steals. So, I mean, coach, uh, that, that is what you need from these dudes. Well, uh, we do need to get to our four corners recap along with the shady stat of the game to talk about some other things that were critical in this matchup. We're going to do that in just a second. Right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by our friends at LinkedIn. When you're hiring for your small business, you want to have as many top tier candidates as possible to interview. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs, which has the tools to help find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. It's critically important for the success of your business to have a pool of quality candidates to interview. And thankfully, LinkedIn Jobs helps makes it easy to find them. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. They've got this vast network of more than a billion professionals, making it the best place to hire, which is easy to do when you have that many quality candidates. LinkedIn knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. So they have things like this new technology that can help write a job description for you. And so the process is intuitive, it's quick, and it's easy. So post your job for free right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Again, that's linkedin.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Coach, let's get into our four corners recap of this game uh, because there were so many different aspects. Obviously, we've already talked about the RJ of it all, the big picture of it. Um, but one of the critically uh, critical points that we need to look at is Carolina's defense. There's been a lot of discussion lately about it because of the switching um, a lot of discussion about it because 
um, that the offense, at least at Ken Palm, has is ranked higher in adjusted efficiency. And so the question was going to be, what would Carolina's defense do against this team that came in averaging 84 points a game? Coach, what did you see with Tar Heel defense that impressed you, that allowed them to hold Oklahoma at bay as they did? Yeah, I thought it started right from the beginning. Uh, to get a great start is, uh, is not something maybe Carolina's uh, traditionally great at, but to get out that, that big run early, hold them to two points, I think maybe five minutes in, uh, Oklahoma only had two or four points. Um, the on-ball defense I thought was really good. Uh, they were able to keep the guys in front. means you don't have to help as much. Uh, didn't give up a lot of open shots. Only gave up one made three in the first half. And uh, the field goal percentage, I think Oklahoma's averaging almost, almost 50% uh, from the field for the year. Uh, so I thought, it, you know, the keys early on were just being able to keep that ball in front, contesting everything and not giving up second, third shots. Yeah, th they were just it just to the eyeball test. There was just more activity. There was more urgency. And, and that's what we're looking for. You know, I had I love that you brought up that very beginning thing that set the tone of the game. I, we looked at that ahead of the Kentucky game where we said Carolina has to come out of the gate in these first four minutes and set the tone of the game. They weren't able to do that against Kentucky. They certainly were able to do that in this game. And coaches, you had mentioned in our, in our prep for the show, um, it was Oklahoma's lowest first half total this season in terms of points, 28, and their lowest points for an entire game of the season. Their previous season low was 72. Carolina holds them to 69 points and 0.932 points per game. Coach, is what they did against Oklahoma defensively sustainable or do you think it's like they just got up because it's a big game no i think it's definitely sustainable because it wasn't just one or two guys it wasn't just the starters i thought the bench came in gave great energy uh, i thought seth trimble was great on ball he his energy uh off the bench is huge uh when he's able to make a shot like he did too in the corner it just adds to it but when he's able to defend and and just be able to sit down and guard somebody i thought zayden high gave great uh minutes tonight too uh, when Harrison got into foul trouble. And again, those guys don't need to score. They just need to defend, rebound. If Zayden can, can uh, provide maybe some shot blocking or at least a presence in there, those guys can be super valuable for the team. And I thought both of them uh, were, brought great energy tonight and were very, you know, very instrumental in, in, in getting that victory for, for Carolina tonight. Love that. Let's move on to Four Corners recap point number two, and that's Cormac Ryan. Coach, uh, you know, he had had that breakout game against Kentucky, 20 points. I think it was four of seven from three. And he gets back-to-back -back great looks at three very early on in this game. And the shots look good. But yet again, Coach, they just didn't fall. And I'm just, I don't know about you. I, I Probably you so more than me because you deal with this on a daily basis. I just felt bad for him because it's like the shot looks good. You know he's more frustrated than anybody else that they're not going in. But while it didn't start off as a great shooting night, he didn't let that take him out of the game. Me as a baseball guy, I would compare that to like my guy Dansby Swanson, who's not a brave anymore. But his defense is unparalleled as a shortstop. Even when he wasn't hitting, he wouldn't let that affect what he was doing defensively. Let me bring it back to Cormac Ryan at basketball. Even when the shots aren't falling for Cormac, I loved the edge that he played with in this game against Oklahoma. I love his activity. I loved him, his active hands and other things he was doing to affect the game in more ways than just scoring. Um, and, and so coach, you know, as somebody who is looking for that kind of guy to be part of your team all the time, what is it that Cormac Ryan did in this game that mattered to you? 
one of the great things he does is he doesn't have bad body language. When he misses a shot, he doesn't drop his head. He doesn't loaf back. He still plays the game the way it's supposed to be played. Uh, he got challenged early. Uh, they they kind of attacked him defensively, tried to ISO a little bit, said, hey, you know, this is the uh, maybe the weak link, so let's go ahead and attack him. I think he took that challenge personally, and uh, it definitely raised his level in the second half. And then when he gets a stop, he had a great steal that led to a transition bucket. He had a couple de- defensive stops. Um, then all of a sudden that shot goes in. It's amazing how that, you know, that the combination of being able to finish a, a defensive stop allows him to then make a shot at the other end. And, and when he makes one, he's usually going to make another and sometimes two or three. And, and then it kind of snowballs a little bit. But he's a great shooter. We all know that. He hasn't shot the ball consistently well. I expect him to have a huge second half. Yeah. And, and wound up four of 10 from the field, just one of five from three, but did have 13 points, just the same as Harrison Ingram had seven boards, uh, two steals himself. And so you love to see all that coach. Let's move to our third point in the four corners recap. You already touched on this a little bit, but man, let's give Seth Tremble and Jaden, uh, Jaden, Zayden high, some absolute love 21 minutes for Seth in this game. Zayden high had 12 um, and, you know, Seth, uh, you kind of referenced it earlier, but had a three. That's always a cherry on top if he hit something. And um, one of the things I loved is part of the reason they were ha- able to get so many minutes is, A, they weren't hurting the team. B, Carolina had had this kind of – it felt like the game was between 9 and 12-point margin for most of the second half. And so you had stretches where it was them or Jalen Washington out there and, and Mondo Harrison and, and RJ are sitting on the bench – uh, just just talk a little more about um, Seth and Zayden in particular and what they did in this game. Yeah, they had to go small there for a, a, a good stretch with uh, with Zayden on the floor at the five and with um, I guess they had Elliot and uh, and Seth and Cormac, I think, at the at the one, two and three. And they were just they were small. But because of Seth's uh, athletic ability, his, his athleticism allows him to play bigger than he really is. So even though he he may be only six six one six two whatever he is he still flies around the gym and that energy I think is more important than the the his height and he plays bigger obviously and the minutes that Zayden High gave his stats are irrelevant because he just gave great great energy and uh, he did some really good things that, that just don't show up in in the scorebook but I love the energy I love the way those guys played and again that just gives you as a coach it gives you more confidence to put those guys in. In, in big time situations, it wasn't like it was, you know, 15 minutes in the first half. These were, you know, eight minutes, 10 minutes left in the, in the game of a game that they really needed to win. And those guys show that they were uh, they were worthy. Yeah, I, I haven't done I've been doing a, a bench minutes breakdown and percentage of minutes used by the bench. I haven't done it yet for this game because we got into recording right after this. But I got to think that it's going to be a higher percentage than we've had in recent games. Now, coach, the fourth point of our four corners recap with three minutes to go in this game, Oklahoma cut the lead down to five. And there was, uh, for me, some real game pressure at that point, rather like somebody has to make a play. Obviously, um, RJ made a three. You talked about it earlier as kind of being the dagger for the game to put Carolina back up by eight. Um, But we already talked about Hubert Davis and giving him some flowers for putting Harrison Ingram back in. But there's some other defensive decisions he made here uh, that that we want to talk about that we thought was critical to while you'd love to see Carolina not allow Oklahoma to get back in it like this. It is critical that Carolina was able to still close it out and not let Oklahoma come back. Why did that happen? Well, 
first of all, I think it was 70-65. If you want to know who the coaching staff feels like is the man, they ran a set for RJ. They didn't run a set to get the ball to, to Armando. They ran a set to get RJ an open look, and he, he buried it. The thing that I love about the way they finished it is they, they played zone last two or three possessions. And to me, to make a change, to not allow somebody just to straight line drive to the basket. Now, all of a sudden, you got two guys on the ball without having to double. Um, and it, it just, I think it threw Oklahoma off. You know, mm-hmm. it, it all of a sudden, you haven't played zone all game. Now, the last three possessions when they really needed something quick, it slowed them down. It forced them to have to take a couple bad shots. And they didn't make anything. Uh, so I love that. I love just a, a simple adjustment. They went two, three. They got a couple misses. They were able to rebound out of it. Got a, had to foul. They go down there and then make some free throws and uh, game's over. So I love that adjustment. It's a subtle adjustment, but I love late in the game just to see a little bit of a change, throw the rhythm off and uh, do something different you haven't done all game. And it worked. worked great. It, it reminded me of the 2017 second round game against Arkansas. That game, Carolina was trailing, but coming out of that uh, a timeout, Coach Williams went zone, and then Carolina was able to close and ultimately get that win. It, it's just those – I love you calling that subtle because that's what it is. A lot of people aren't going to notice that happening. Um, but, again, another great decision by Coach Davis to just try something if what's, what you're doing is not working. Oklahoma hit – six a stretch of six out of seven field goals so you got to change the narrative coach let's get to the shady stat of the game and that is turnovers um oklahoma had 18 turnovers in this game carolina just nine remember folks carolina had 17 against kentucky so we were hoping to see that number come back down against an athletic and active oklahoma team Part of it that contributed to it is it's not just Oklahoma kicking the ball around. Carolina had a season-high 10 steals in this game, and consequently, and this is where it even flips even more important, the Tar Heels led points off turnovers in this game 24-11. to Coach, how key was this in the Tar Heel victory? I think it's huge, and not only did it was the only eight turnovers, they still played fast. It wasn't like Carolina slowed. And, and if anything, I think Oklahoma played slower than, than Carolina did. So to have eight turnovers and still play the pace that we want to play, to still play that up-tempo, and the 10 steals to me just means we were active defensively, doing the little things. Uh, we talked about earlier how, how great Harrison's hands were. Cormac hands. You know, RJ's always got his hands being really active. Seth's always very active with his hands. Um, I think those are huge things because – Anytime you get a steal, especially, I mean, it's live ball. Live ball turnovers lead to good looks at the other end, whether it's something going to the basket and getting a layup or penetrating and kicking out to an open shooter. So those 10 steals led to, to you know, big buckets for, uh, for the Tar Heels tonight. This team has the potential to be really good defensively, and I'm very curious to see how they continue to progress in that way. Could be a very important thing. Defense travels, three-point shots do not all the time. Coach, we want to kind of transition now to looking at, okay, great run. Great to end this run with a win over Oklahoma. What does it mean? What does the resume look like? And then, as we said, we want to give Coach just a couple minutes to share some thoughts about Eric Montross as we've kind of been looking at his life all week. We'll do all that in just a second, right after I tell you that this episode of Locked on Tar Heels is brought to you by FanDuel. As the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. 
It's 150 bucks if your team wins. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action than right now. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Things like conference championship odds for the regular season. The Tar Heels are closing in that gap on Duke. It's great to see. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and get in on the action for college basketball or the NFL this season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Okay, coach, um, we're going to talk more about this on, on tomorrow's show on, on Friday. Going to look ahead to everything Carolina has in front of it, kind of broken down by quads and things like that. But I, I just want to look at right now, what kind of position you feel like Carolina has put themselves in? Are they in you know conversation for a top four seed, a top two seed? Have they done the types of things that allow them to get where they want to get um, as opposed to what they did last year, you know, right now you're probably looking at when when the season's over, just based on what Carolina's already done, you probably got three, maybe four quad one wins already when all is said and done. I think Carolina had one in the entirety of last year. And so what what has the job they've done in the non-con set them up for the rest of the season? I think it puts them probably on that two, three seed in the in the tournament. I think um, you know, the conference t- it's just so hard and, and it's hard to win on the road. And, and, you know, you got some of the top teams in the country, obviously. And I, I see them, you know, they're going to, they're going to drop a game or two, you know, just on the road, it's just going to happen in, in league. It would be really hard to see them get to that, that one line, but um, those quad wins early on gives them the confidence to know that they can play against anybody. I really see that hopefully snowballing, you know, Charleston Southern get a win, you know, when they get back, something maybe dominant at home leading back into the conference play. And uh, I think it could be something that they could, you could see them sticking around in that top 10 uh, pretty much the rest of the year and being, being a, a two seed in the tournament. I, I could see that very, uh, it'd be a very possible thing. Yeah. And Carolina, you know, by virtue of this says you don't want to think about it in this way, but I do have it in the back of my brain. This is kind of a nice buffer for the Tar Heels where now it's not like you're you're not putting as much pressure on yourself in ACC play because you've banked some of these high level victories. And that's a good thing. And I think I don't say that to say so they can just kind of blah, blah, blah their way through ACC play. I think it relaxes you and allows you to play better because you're not as stressed out. And so that to me is a win. Another piece of great news from uh, Wednesday night is that, or uh, yeah, Wednesday night is that Villanova beat Creighton. So that's a good thing for, uh, the, for the Tar Heels resume as well as, um, you know, Villanova continuing to rise up. I know Carolina didn't beat Villanova, but um, you know, that, that always helps when your loss looks better in those kind of ways. So um, coach, we'll continue to keep tabs on, on the Tar Heels moving forward. Obviously, as we said, we got Charleston Southern on uh, Friday of next week to wrap up non-con play before that three-game road uh, slate to start ACC play. So Tar Heels knockoff, previously undefeated Oklahoma, 81-69. to 69. Great stuff in the Jumpman Invitational. Um, Coach, we want to wrap the show today by talking a little bit about Eric Montross. You have a very special quarter zip on. Uh, you had shared with me in, in some texting that we did back and forth earlier this week, just about some texting back and forth that you and Eric did just a month or so ago. Yeah, it's a it's a, a tough week for sure. This is a, a quarter zip that I got with uh, Eric's logo on it from his uh, father, son, father, daughter camp that I've been doing, uh, I guess, 16, 17 years now. And um, I, I got to meet Eric. 
actually when his son Andrew was a 10 or 11 year old kid in camp. Um, that's how I just, you know, he was, uh, had his son in my camp and got a chance to, to meet Eric. And then, um, through that was able to start working his camp. And, um, it's just hard to think that he won't be there. Uh, I got a lot of messages, a lot of phone calls, a lot of text messages from guys from camp that were just reminiscent about, uh, about working with him and how he just made everybody feel like they were the most important person. Uh, I think if we all had a chance to go, uh, speak at a, at a, at a memorial service, you'd, you'd have tons of people would stand up and say, he was my best friend. You know, he, he just always made me feel, and you can go through my Facebook, but this week's been hard because every other mess, you know, post was about him and people just talking and re recalling their stories. Uh, last time I saw him, Barbara and I, my wife and I went to Virginia Tech last December uh, to watch the heels and it was just a day off. So we were able to sneak up there and watch them play. And, uh, went to sit in my seat and I looked down and I texted him and said, Hey, I'm, I'm wearing the, the, the polo today, the, uh, the quarter zip. And he said, I was just getting ready to text you. Um, I'll be over at halftime. And you're like, he's working, you know, he's doing the game on radio and he's no, I'll, I'll come over and see you. Sure enough. He, he had enough of, you know, just to come over and say hello to me. Why would he want to do that? But, uh, that's the way he was. He always made people feel like they were special and uh, were way more important than him. And, uh, we all know what a great man he was and what a great player he was, but even a better man. And I'm uh, going to miss him. Uh, I texted him about a, uh, about a month ago and mm. uh, I actually sent him a picture from my Sunday school class. We had our prayer requests up on the board and, and there's Eric's name. And I just took a picture and said, sent it to him and I said, Hey, I just want you to know we haven't forgotten about you. We're still praying for you every week and obviously praying for you uh, on a daily basis at home too. And he sent me a message right back, said, Hey, thanks bud. With a little, a uh, little heart emoji. And, uh, I really believed he was getting better. You know, we just, everything we heard that things were positive and uh, I just had no idea it was going to be this close. So uh, we all uh, devastated, you know, coach Davis talked about being devastated and we all feel that devastation too. And we, we're just going to miss our friend. Coach, I, I really appreciate you sharing those thoughts. I, I know it's not easy, especially when it's, you know, for, for a lot of people, it's just, this mountain of a man who, you know, like I never personally met Eric, but I feel like I know him because of because of the person that he is. But I think it's really important for us to be able to hear stories from people who did know him personally and uh, to where you can really, truly realize that he is that man that you thought he was. And uh, as we've all talked about, like, that's the type of person we all aspire to be. Uh, the kind of person that makes everyone in the room feel like uh, they it's the best day of their life and that you're their best friend. I, I love you pointing that out. That's, that's a great call. So um, coach really appreciate that. I know we didn't have official story time with coach Rob today, but I think you just brought it home with that. So very thankful for you for that. Uh, coach, always great to be together. I hope you and the family have a great Christmas. Can't wait to talk again soon. To Merry Christmas to you. Folks, that's it for today's episode. Again, a great win for the Tar Heels and now a, a good break before taking back the court next Friday against Charleston Southern. I want to thank you so much for checking in with us. If you'd like to be a bigger part of the Locked on Tar Heels community, come join the Locked on Tar Heels Discord. Uh, I actually need to tell my wife right now that somebody from Austin, Texas joined earlier today. So she's giving me the hook over there in the corner. Uh, so that's great news. If you'd like to have other kind of conversations, you can email us LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show. Smash the like button if you're watching so we know you're here. We'd love it if you would rate and 
and review the show. And also would love to hear your comments and thoughts on the victory over Oklahoma. It's always a great day to be a Tar Heel, even as we reminisce about Big Grits. We'll talk again tomorrow. But until then, peace.